What up? Welcome in. Here we are on a Tuesday back in studio. Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. So glad you are here with us. You're checking us out on YouTube. Hello to you guys out there. All of you. Thank you. Also, those of you with the radio, smart speakers, app, however you're finding us, we do appreciate you checking in today as we take you from now until 6 o'clock. Remember, after us, at about 6.45, UC Davis basketball tonight. The Aggies on the road as they will take on Oregon State. Pre-game 6.45, tip-off at 7. Scott Marsh will have the call here on Sports 1140 KHDK. As we start, Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. All right, plenty for us to get to over the next couple of hours as uh, we've got a lot to discover and uncover and go through and critique and tear apart and rip, maybe some praise, not as much, on your Sacramento Kings. Uh, brutal road trip concluded last night. They now come home, and they're going to be home a lot here for a while. And normally you'd say, oh, home cooking. That's going to be good news for the Kings. Well, you guys know how it's been this year for the Kings at home. That's been one of the many things that have been depressing is how they've played at home. But they are coming home. We will discuss that today. Steph goes for the NBA record in uh, New York at MSG. We'll talk about that. COVID has continued to rear its ugly head in sports, and it's really hitting the NFL and NBA, too. As you knew yesterday, we talked about that on the pregame for the Kings as far as Chicago Bulls having a couple of games postponed. we got to go over last night's Monday night game as well. Quite a win for the Rams. We'll do that today. Coming up in our 4 o'clock hour, a new week is done. So top five, bottom five in the NFL. we got to look at last weekend. We didn't get a chance to break down the weekend games yesterday because of Kings basketball, but really a critical win by the 49ers that we will discuss. And the Raiders, how bad were they on Sunday? Man. Just the second half or late season fizzles are happening again for the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll get into that today. Lots of Kings news um, to get to and some reaction from Coach Gentry and even from De'Aaron Fox as well um, as we all await what could be next for the Kings. Remember tomorrow, December 15th, kind of that make-believe, well, not even make-believe, it's a real date that signifies the start of potential movement in the NBA. A hundred more players can become traded tomorrow, become in that spot, right? If they had signed off-season contracts, you have to wait till December 15th for some of those players. And some have other criteria that quite uh, don't quite match up. But uh, we will talk about that and really probably the, the desperate need for the Kings to do something because at this rate, it is not working. And I think that's pretty clear for everyone right now. But with all that said, let's do it. Let's start you out with first things first. First things first. Close things first. Here is Halliburton with a kick, and it's off the hands of Chimezi Metu. Didn't look the ball in at all. He was ready to make a move on the baseline. Meanwhile, a long lead pass up the floor, finds Boucher wide open. Kings try to retaliate. They commit the foul. The basket scored. Sacramento has dug themselves a 10-point hole, and there'll be an and-one opportunity for Toronto. Yeah, got off to an 11-0 deficit yesterday, and it, didn't get better. Three-point shot missed by the Raptors. Ball totally mishandled by the Kings. Siakam ends up with it. He drives, twists, and scores. Wow. Second chance opportunities and carelessness. Terrible pass. Terrence Davis results in another turnover. On the run to the rack. Hammer thrown down by Gary Trent Jr. Fire up the jet. Tell Customs the Kings are headed to the airport. It's another one of those nights in Canada. It's 48-29, and we're only five and a half minutes into the second quarter. 
G-Man wanted to fire up the Jets in the second quarter. Honestly, in all the years I've worked with him, that's the earliest I've ever heard him say that. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Um, man, what is going on here with the Sacramento Kings? And if you think about it, this road trip really could have swung differently with the very first game of the trip, the Charlotte game. Completely disappointing. What an opportunity it was there for the Kings to get a win in Charlotte with seven rotation players out. Kings thought this would be one of those games where they just outscore Charlotte and wait till the end and and produce there. And as good as De'Aaron Fox was in the game, we all know by now that he missed the last two free throws. Marvin missed a putback. The Kings end up with a really bad loss to start the trip. And then to me, it's been the way they've played the last two games. Those two are losses as well to Cleveland and then last night to Toronto without a chance to win really either game and to get blown out with awful first-half defensive performances in both games. This team right now, yet again, this far into the season, seems completely broken. And it feels like when they start losing, they start playing like, I don't want to make it worse. Yet they Which do. ironically makes it worse. Yes. And I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out why it's this bad. And I will say it, you know, look, we're, we're on here every day trying to share our most educated and best informed opinions. You know what I thought about this team going in. This is the first year, I think, in a long time that I've been as excited about a team coming in, as optimistic about a team. I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought they could win 44 or more games, to be honest with you. And because of all the players coming back, all the continuity, uh, being through these things years ago, the last couple of years, be- taking these lumps and having these bad stretches and hopefully learning, yet there's so many individual pieces that I look at and go, I-, I like that. I like how this fits with this team, but yet the collection together is not working. And the fact that they continually have brutal stretches in a game, in a half, in a quarter, is mind-boggling Toronto's not great that's not a great team they lost to yesterday they're better than the Kings but that's not a great team uh Cleveland's good Cleveland's a good team but are they I mean, 81 champs yeah, they are linear champs and they took out the Kings in their only chance for a linear title uh this year so far but 81 points in the first half to the Cavs the most points the Kings have allowed in a half in nearly 30 years to that team so defense is clearly broken. The team wants to outscore you. And, you know, I look at a game where you see the ability, what was it, a week ago Saturday, two weeks ago Saturday at home, to the Clippers. A week ago Saturday, I guess it was. Uh, 104.99. But a really complete performance defensively. And it looked like it was on their mind. They set the agenda. They played that way. They attacked the game plan. And they showed you that they are capable of it. But they've also shown us way more times than not that they're capable of this. And what I mean by this is getting blown out by the Raptors. They played Toronto twice this year. Again, a team that's now one game below 500. And in the two games, Toronto has both times built a 30-point lead on the Sacramento Kings. The Toronto Raptors. It's not with Kawhi. With Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, all those guys are gone. And they built a 30-point lead for the second time this year on the Kings. So, the Kings come home. If you want to be optimistic, 
glass half full, which I generally am, but I'm going to give you the stat again. Kings are coming home. Kings at home this year have five wins. Five wins at Golden One Center. Only Oklahoma City and New Orleans in the West have less home wins than the Kings, and in the overall league, also Orlando and Detroit. But they are coming home for 15 of the next 19 games. Their road games in that stretch are the Warriors, so that's just a a quick trip, the Lakers, and then they leave the time zone once for Denver and Portland. They don't leave the West Coast again until January 22nd. It's a long way. So many games at home. It's a huge stretch, a huge opportunity. But at this point, a season low six games below 500. Is anybody that optimistic that at the end of that, the Kings will be in a much better position? I think I could predict what's going to happen in the 15 of the 19 games. Probably a couple of really sweet wins, good performances, shoot the ball well. Some head-scratching, puzzling losses. Some embarrassing losses. I mean, that's, that's who this team is. They've changed the coach. They had the closed-door meeting last night. Players only. We're 28 games in. This is a veteran group, and they're not young when people say they're young. They're not. They've played together a lot. They have played together a lot. They've got to figure it out together. We're going to hear from Coach Gentry coming up in the next segment, De'Aaron Fox as well. But this team not only looks broken, is broken. It just feels that way. Now, all that being said, the irony of all this And if the goal, as the organization has said, is to make the postseason, that should still be their goal. The goal is still amazingly attainable. That's what's frustrating. And maybe that's what is giving this team a longer leash because they don't look like they're afraid to be out of the playoffs. They are right now. But, you know, the swing, Chris and I were talking about this before the show. What was it, Chris? Four games from being sixth. Four games from being dead last. So a hot week, you're right up there. Bad week. Dead last. Lottery. We're talking about, you know, what's their next pick. And it's just going to keep changing. The West, to me, is the Warriors, the Suns, and the Jazz. That's it. That's it. Four through really 15. I mean, the Rockets got crazy hot after being 1-16. They won, what was it, seven in a row, eight in a row, something like that. So... It can happen. I don't believe it will happen in that kind of consistent way for this team. But Portland's not great. Minnesota's not great. Spurs, Rockets, Thunder, Pelicans, Kings, that whole group, not great. And the Kings are in that group. And if the goal is to just get in the top 10, again, that's what we're asking for. No one's asking, well, we'd like to see them win a championship. We'd like to see them make a deep playoff run. Forget all that. Can they get there? I think it is so doable, yet they continually shoot themselves in the foot. Night in and night out. Remember before this trip started, hey, maybe they figured some things out. They'd won three in a row, and there's that Charlotte game again. If you had won that, it's four. The last two, hopefully you were more competitive and you lost. One and two road trips, not brutal. It's okay. But instead, you you lose the Charlotte game in kind of an embarrassing way, and then you get blown out the last two games. With about six minutes left in the third quarter of the Charlotte game, that's basically when the Kings just went downhill for the rest of the road trip. Yeah, because at that point, never weren't they double digits ahead, something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were looking good, playing well. Offense was smooth. Um, and you looked at Charlotte and go, well, they just don't have the guys, but that's okay. We know they're capable of beating anybody. We know all those things that happen. They're all pro athletes. 
Everybody's getting an opportunity. That's a game you got to win. You let it slip. So then what's the response? Okay, Cleveland, man, Cleveland's good, but that's the chance. You give up 81 in the first half. You wake up a bit in the second half, but it was your deep bench. And then last night, really not a chance to win the game either. So frustrations continue. They're 11 and 17. They come home. They will get Washington tomorrow. We'll be at the arena for that tomorrow. Much more on the Kings uh, coming up as we continue. But let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. Stafford, play fix. Boots out to his left. Looking deep. He's got Van Jefferson. And Van brings it in at the goal line. Middle of the field. Touchdown, L.A. What a rocket shot from Matthew Stafford. Saw it coming all the way. Kyler takes the snap, retreats, pressure arriving. He's hit. He's not sacked. He gets out of it, still on his feet. And now he goes down. Aaron Donald covers up Kyler at the 25 and waves to the crowd as time expires on Monday Night Football. The Rams win it 30-23. to Well, just what the Rams needed, and they went into the game with some COVID concerns. There's more on that coming up here in a moment. But a really big win for the Rams on the road, cooling off the Cardinals. And the Cardinals went from the one seed to the three in one night. That's the fragility right now of where the NFL standings are. And if you think about it, and we'll get into this in the next hour about the NFL, uh, where teams are, where, you know, I think it's the Jets, Jags, Texans, and Lions. Yeah, four teams have been eliminated. That's it. And no one has made the playoffs yet. Not a guarantee. Now, there's a lot of teams tracking it, like the Buccaneers and the still the Cardinals, Packers, those kind of teams, Patriots. But no one has clinched a playoff berth yet. And last night, the Rams win, put the Cardinals to third in the NFC. Rams getting a, a win that they desperately needed. And I thought Matthew Stafford, that was one of his better games as a Ram. That is That game yesterday, especially the first half, some of the throws he was executing and, comp- and completing, in his final stat line, 23 of 30, 287, no interceptions, three scores, is exactly the reason why they got someone like Matthew Stafford. I thought he started out the season brilliantly, hit a little rough patch in the middle, but now is that game last night, and especially going forward when they make the playoffs, is why they made the move to continue to jeopardize their future draft picks and move on from Goff to go for a guy like Stafford and move on from other players and draft picks to get Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham and and Jalen Ramsey over the years. All these high-profile, talented guys, they've gone in. They've done it differently than a lot of other organizations. A lot of other organizations treat draft capital as just, that's gold. They're not going to move that. The Rams say, no, we don't care. We want the high-profile talent. We're going for the Super Bowl now. It's in our building. We want to be there just like Tampa a year ago. So big win for them, statement win, I would say, for the Rams in a sense of the division and beating the Cardinals, and now they're just one back, and it makes it a little more interesting. We'll also talk a little bit later in the show about the Niners and a potential wish list path they should have come postseason time because they did get a big win that got shaky on Sunday, but overtime in Cincinnati, we'll be talking about that. But the Rams get a win. They needed it. They got it, and a nice performance. Cardinals, some questionable decision-making Late by Coach Kingsbury, certainly by Kyler Murray as well. Um, and yesterday it felt like every time James Conner had the ball, it just did something positive. But injuries for him and DeAndre Hopkins, both guys were getting MRIs today. So we'll see about the uh, injuries and the COVID results because that's really hitting a lot of the sports world yet again as we roll along. All right, more first things first.
First things first. First things first. All right, tonight in the NBA, a lot of eyes will be in the garden. Basketball mecca, right? We say that for years. It's always talked about. And it's not about the Knicks. It's about Steph. It's about Steph Curry, who continues to chase history. Curry off the screen. Turns, fires a 25-footer. Got it! Warriors take the lead. Curry with a 378-77. So Tim Roy on the call yesterday from the Warriors radio network as tonight Steph will likely break the all-time three-point record. And, you know, I know the game has changed. There's no doubt about it. But Steph has changed the game. And I think that's the difference here where some people are equating this to the NFL, present-day NFL. If you look at the all-time NFL touchdown passing yard, uh, passing list, it's basically become all the current quarterbacks, right? It's all happened um, with guys recently. And Peyton Manning... Certainly Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Um, we gave you the top ten. I wanted to go over these because some of it's bizarre in, in a sense. Um, Aaron, So Brady's one. Brees is two. Peyton Manning, three. Favre, four. Rodgers. Phillip Rivers. There's Dan Marino, who at the time seemed to put it on just another pedestal. Ben Roethlisberger's going to pass him. Eli Manning. Matt Ryan's 10th. Stafford is 12th. Russell Wilson is 17th. Jay Cutler is 32nd. So, excuse me, Joe Flacco is 32nd. He's tied with Jay Cutler. How about that? So, that point is that it's definitely changed into a passing league more so than used to be, you know, two backs, 1,000-yard rushers were paramount, um, mix and match your pass and run, but now it's a pass-heavy league. Short passes, long passes, quarterbacks are just dominating the league. Well, we know the three-point list has changed too, all-time three-pointers, but Steph is going to blow this away. I mean, absolutely obliterate this. And he is, without a doubt, one of the greatest shooters, if not the greatest shooter of all time. He's worked hard. There was a great article today about the irony of some of this, of some of the concerns early on in Steph's career. Remember, he was already considered a great shooter coming out of Davidson. But he had the ankle injuries a couple of years early on, and part of why here in Sacramento equating it to Steph Curry, where Tyreek Evans won the Rookie of the Year, and there was a debate, who's better, who's better? Well, it's not even close now. I mean, not even remotely close, but it was at one point. I mean, Tyreek won the Rookie of the Year, maybe a year and a half, two years in, and you're thinking, well, it's close, but you know, maybe Tyreek's done a little bit more than Steph. Well, Steph, multiple championships later, multiple MVPs later, he's about to get one of the great records in the league. He's just going to blow that away, and... He is, I mean, he's going to get to 3,000, maybe even 4,000 in his career. And Ray Allen's mark is 2,973. And I know more people shoot it now. If you think about current players, James Harden, by the way, is closing in. He's fourth. He's going to pass Reggie Miller soon. Damian Lillard's 10th. LeBron James, 11th. Even Buddy Heald, for all the uh, <laughs> Buddy haters out there, and I know they're out there, he currently is 63rd. So it has changed, but Steph is part of it. And it's not only that Steph... To me, why he's such a great shooter is the versatility in his shots. And I'm just thinking about shooting. Now, logically, you think a lot about catch and shoot. He's great at that. He creates his shot very well with his incredible ball handling. But his his movement without the ball, he just is an absolute nightmare to guard. And then, I, I say no conscience, but not sometimes that can look, be perceived as a negative. Not in this case. No limit to his range, let's say. And when he's going, he has the ultimate green light. He always has. But 
is there a bad shot? He he takes some. I mean, he does. And he even admitted when he said, well, you never know. I might be able to break it at home when he was, what, 16 away. And I think there was about a three-game stretch where, as we say, he was thirsty. He was trying to just get it and break it and be done with it. Well, he's going to get it naturally tonight, um, barring some sort of crazy circumstance. But um, he's a gift. He's an incredible player. And what I say about people like him, like LeBron, like Tom Brady, like whoever is considered great in their t- Tiger Woods, all the way across the board, whatever sport it is, Serena Williams, appreciate them. Appreciate them because they'll be gone. Not from life, but like from the, from the game at some point. Now, Steph has more time, but if you're around in this time and you're a fan of the sport or you're a fan of the Warriors or a fan of the NBA, enjoy it. Appreciate it. We can all hate on teams and on players, but I, to me, I appreciate the greatness that he has established, the work ethic. He honestly has been great with his time. He's been a guest on the station. We've talked to him multiple times. He's been on our post-game show. He's, he's just an incredible human being and one of the greatest shooters, if not the greatest, of all time. And tonight, to do it in Madison Square Garden will be quite a moment. It'll get more hype than probably it should, but that's okay. That's okay. So... Well, interesting thing about the numbers. Yeah. So Ray Allen, three-point champion right. at this moment. Mm-hmm. His entire career, he averaged 5.7 threes a game. Attempts? Attempts. Okay. Oh, Steph's the got most, The most he ever attempted in a season was with Seattle, 05-06. He averaged 8.4 okay. a game. Steph averages 8.7. For his career. For his career. Yeah. And I want to believe, uh, what was it this season? This season, it is 13.4. So, yes, it's different, but he's made it different. And, you know, Lillard, logo Lillard, right? I mean, just the the shots even a few years ago. There was actually an NBA game, Chris, that was on the other day on NBA TV, and it was one of the highest-scoring games in the history of the league. It was Denver and Detroit from the mid-'80s, I want to say. And it might have been like 185-184, something crazy. And it was a pop-up thing, like a pop cast. So there were little notes would come up when something happened. And I happened to have it on. And Isaiah Thomas at the moment, I think it was late in the regulation, hits a straightaway three. It was the only three taken and made by the Pistons all game. That's crazy. The only one by the team. And he made it. And you just think, wow. fifty. I mean, in a triple overtime game, there'd be, what, 50 to 60 attempts now. Well, imagine in a game like that, watching in the 80s, if someone were to drive to the basket and then kick out for a three. Right. I mean, that's so common now. You'd be benched immediately. Absolutely. Just a different game. But uh, Steph has helped make it a different game and a little history coming your way. uh, Likely some point, uh, maybe in about an hour and a half, I would say, for Steph in the garden. All right, one more thing here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, we probably could talk about this every day, and uh, sometimes we put it on hold. It's it, you know, it's been a topic that has been um, nauseating for some. Some are over it, some aren't. We just know it. I mean, the country's divided. So is the sports world. COVID, COVID in the NFL, COVID in the NBA. We mentioned that in the NBA, the Bulls have their next two games have been postponed. The Lakers had to shut down practice today. Um, they've got multiple players that have had to. Uh, going to COVID protocols throughout the league. The Nets, I think, have three right now in there. And then if you go to the NFL, I think the number, if I have this right, I saw this earlier today, and I didn't write it down, but I want to get it briefly. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. 
it was something along the lines that from the start of the NFL season to the end of November, I want to say there was about 110, maybe just slightly over 100, positive COVID tests in the NFL. So just over 100 with all the players of all the teams. In the last two days, they're at 62. It's crazy how um, quickly it can change and spread. OBJ among nine placed on COVID list just by the Rams. And remember, Jalen Ramsey and others didn't play yesterday. I think it was the Browns had eight put on the COVID list. They will be facing the Raiders this weekend. Uh, Washington football team expands their list to a couple of players. Uh, The Chiefs defensive tackle Jones is on the list. Some are coming off. It's just amazing how this is still prominent. And we all thought, remember when 2020 ended? 2021 is going to be better. Let's just be better. Let's get through 2020. 2021 is going to be just better. We're done with that year. Well, we're almost done with 2021. And I don't know where the, you know, the start to the end of the pandemic, but it's still here and it's still impacting sports. Even to the point where I saw someone on social media, hey, are we getting to that point where they might have to hit the pause button again? And I don't know. I would say no with a question mark. No, but a lot's happening. And I think the threat before that we heard, I remember that Chris like, oh, if any team has to forfeit, uh, miss a game, they're forfeits. Well, college football, that USC-Cal game, they just moved. The Chicago two games for the Bulls, they're moving. So that threat hasn't seemed to be as much of one. But if you start getting league-wide teams that are out, you're going to have an issue here. Well, one of the things was with the forfeits, it was more as a way to get teams to get their players vaccinated. Correct. And a lot of these players that are testing positive are vaccinated. True. So at that point, are you... (laughs) Is the NFL going to say, like, uh, we're going to step back for a second? Yeah. It's tricky. It's absolutely tricky where they are now. So knowing the NFL, no. Yeah, exactly. Knowing the NFL. The NBAs seem a little bit more um, on top of that, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. Hey, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. Break time for us when we come back. The Kings defense. What is going on there? We're going to hear from Coach Gentry, get his reaction to why it looks broken right now and where he's placing some of the blame, even though he's putting it right on himself. Coach, good for you, but it's not on you. We'll discuss that when we come back here on KHTK. As we went to break, we were talking about COVID in the NFL and the NBA, and you know, are we getting closer to that time to hit the pause button on sports again? Uh, I certainly don't think so. I certainly don't want them to do that. But, you know, it's not about want or, you know, what's best. Well, let's give you another case in point. This coming in from Woj, Nets guard James Harden and Bruce Brown have both entered COVID protocols. That puts the Nets' total available players tonight to seven. Well, technically eight. Kevin Durant is questionable for tonight. So they're playing Toronto, who the Kings played yesterday. Remember, Toronto's next game is Chicago, which has already been postponed because the Bulls are in – I have more than 10 players, I believe, in COVID protocols. So that's where we're getting here. And um, I think the league, I think I saw a note today, was very concerned about these numbers through about mid-January. So we shall see how this goes and progresses, but hopefully everyone can uh, can stay safe and stay healthy. And Woj just tweeted out that Durant is playing. He is playing. Okay. So that gives him eight total. Now, Durant's a huge part of their success, but so was James Harden, who is uh, now out and in pro, uh, COVID 
protocols. All right, let's get back to the Kings. And again, more NFL coming up in the next hour. Got to look back at We didn't have a show yesterday, so we got to look at that weekend of mixed results, certainly from what the Raiders <laughs> did on Sunday. They were in Kansas City. That's about it. Uh, the 49ers, though, a much-needed win in Cincinnati. We'll get into that and much more coming up in the next hour. But the Kings, um, so disappointing on this road trip. I, we had someone here on the YouTube chat, our guy Ron, says, can we just move the Kings to Seattle now? And I, my point to him is, no, Ron, come on. Not only that, but it's like, look, it's a mess, but there are mess. And I get it. I'm not, you know, I, I never want to tell anyone how to be a fan of your team. I can get it if you if you go away for a little while, if, you, if they've frustrated you too much. But um, they're here. They've got to figure it out. And obviously, the sooner the better. I don't know if this group will. The way it's constructed, it sure seems like it can't. They can't. But um, I'm still appreciative that we have basketball here. And I think I'm like all people where I do want to see this team get punished, but making them move and live in Seattle, that's no one deserves that. <laughs> that would be the worst form of punishment, wouldn't it, Chris? Uh, unless the, uh, St. Louis was on the table. Well, then they Seattle to St. Louis. Oof. Yeah. No one deserves that. <laughs> so, um, but also the Kings are getting what they deserve. I mean, when Doug was here, he's like, he would always say, you, get, you don't always get what you want, you get what you need. And now, I don't know why they need this. How many examples do they need to get better? But the Kings are dead last in points in the paint. Defense has been such a huge setback for this team. And it was a point of emphasis in the offseason, a point of emphasis, I think, to begin the year. And even remember 10 games in, 12 games in. I know it's a small sample size, but they were 20th, 21st defensively, 22nd, somewhere there. Not the greatest. No one thinks they're the best defensive team, but they weren't near the bottom. And in the next stretch of games, now they are one of the worst again, second to last. And the points in the paint are dead last. Straight line drives, transition. I think part of the frustration of the Cleveland loss, Cavs are not a great uh, fast break team, but they dominated the Kings in fast break points. Yesterday, Toronto, last in the league in bench points. They thrive with their bench. So the Kings aren't being resistant in any way, shape, or form right now. Like we said, they've changed coaches already. They had a closed-door meeting yesterday for the players and it's broken. And here was Coach Gentry last night, post game, talking about uh, his role in this. And and I'll take responsibility because I'm supposed to have them prepared. It's my job to have them prepared. So, uh, some kind of way, uh, we're going to keep plugging away at it. I just know we're not going to quit. I've never quit anything in my life, and uh, and I, and I'm not going to let these guys do it either. So, uh, we got to find a way to get a group of guys that's going to compete and, and as I said, play at the, at a level that, that we're capable of playing at. And then if we do that and we lose the game, I can accept it. What I can't accept is what happened tonight in these situations. Yeah, and Gentry's seen it too many times in his brief time as a coach. And I know he's, okay, he's saying, quote, unquote, the right thing. But it's not him. It's a collective. It's everybody. It's always it always is when they win. It's always everybody when they lose. But if if there's a pie chart of this, where more of the fault, where more of the blame goes, it's on the players. It's on them out there responsible for their own actions. And I, I'll say this again. I, I don't know how many times I've said it. You want to be put in the best position to succeed. And if that part has been done, 
then it's on you. It's your own work. If your bosses, if your coworkers have put you in positions to do your job and then the job isn't done, it's on you. It's on you. So, you know, Coach Gentry, yeah, he could maybe change the lineup some more. I think he's tried a lot of lineups. I thought Luke Walton did too. They've played big. They've played small. I've suggested for more of a smaller lineup. At times, I've seen some good things with the bigger lineup. Um, some shorten the rotation, more of the rotation. Um, play more veterans. Play the younger guys. Strip it all the way down. I mean, I, I don't know. Based on if they don't make another change, if they didn't move anything, no trades come tomorrow. I don't know meaning the start of December 15th, the kind of the start of the uh, unofficial start of the trade season and before the trade deadline, if they didn't do a thing or however long it takes them to make a trade, I honestly, I, I like to fix things. I like to see a, a vision of what could be better. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't think Coach Walton knew it. I don't think Coach Gentry knew it with the way the roster is constructed. Now, I think there could be little tweaks. Someone could come in here and say, and I see it on social media, oh, they should play this player more. Okay. I'm going to give just a couple examples and whether or not it's fair or not, but that's all we can see is um, I thought Marvin Bagley, I was I thought it was a good decision when it was identified early on that Marvin Bagley was not in the rotation. I just didn't think he would provide enough winning basketball for this team. Now, in fairness to Marvin, when he was given a chance here, especially lately, I think he's played better. Then for one game, for whatever reason, Coach Gentry wanted to match Cleveland and play bigger. I didn't think Marvin was very good against Cleveland. Now, he's been better off the bench. Um, What did we hear last night? Well, the way that Damian Jones has been playing, we've got to give him an opportunity. Again, in fairness to him, it was just one game. I didn't think he was very good yesterday. Uh, We've seen Terrence Davis in the starting lineup, then out of the lineup, then he's been playing better. Harkless in the starting lineup. They've started Alex Len. Uh, They've put Tristan Thompson and played him more. They do miss Rashawn Holmes. I think that's obvious, but that's not why they're down, you know, 30 points in the first half of these last couple of games. So there's a lot of things that are wrong, and as the way the roster is constructed, I don't know what the fix is. I really don't without it being something of a substantial trade. Let's get more from Gentry from last night uh, because it was talked about how the players got together to meet. Here he is addressing that. I think it bothers them, you know. I mean – you know, I think they closed the door and talked about it, you know. So, uh, I mean, obviously, if you care, those are the kind of things that you do. If you don't care, uh, you would never have done that in the first place. So, uh, we just got to see what's going to come out of it. You know, in these things, closed-door meetings get a lot of attention because they are – there's they're, they're sizzle behind that, right? You put that on social media, you talk about it, the players, and we'll hear De'Aaron Fox come up um, – Oh, they're upset. Furniture's being moved. Was there a fight? What's what's being said? These are the real truthful conversations. These are signs to me, honestly, of more desperation. And you know the amount of time they're together when they can communicate their frustrations on the bus, the hotel room, video session, shoot around, locker room pregame, locker room postgame, um, any which way. They are together all the time. So it takes... This loss last night, three in a row on the road. What else have we seen this year? Tristan Thompson after that uh, road trip where they melted down and he's new to this team, but he speaks up and just gives one of the great post-game press conferences that we've seen in a long time. That's happened. A coaching change has happened. A closed-door meeting has happened. 
lineups have changed. The fix isn't in, in, it's not in front of anybody's face. And without, with the exception of, of changing the roster, that's it. To me, they've played together enough. They've been around each other enough. The amount of minutes that Barnes, Fox, Holmes, Heald, we'll put in Bagley, have played together. It, I bet it's more than a lot of teams' core five players. Not every team, but a lot of teams. Like the Lakers this year, I'm a brand new team together. LeBron and AD have played together. But there were three players coming back from last year. Three total. Kings have so much continuity. Now the Jazz have more. The main parts of the Warriors, I guess, would have more when Clay's back, but that's the main part. Still, some of those the fringes are different. And so this team, as it's constructed, the only choice is for them to figure it out together. And it clearly looks like, one, either they can't or they won't. And that's what's frustrating. It always seems like they're trying to fix what's wrong with them. So it's like, oh, we're giving up too many points. We got to work on defense. We're not scoring enough. We need to get our pace uh, back up. Oh, we're going too quickly. We need to slow things down. And it's always like this reaction, overreaction type of mentality. I feel like that's been an organizational flaw too, since they're they're chasing the mistakes from the past too. Yes. From oh, we probably shouldn't have fired this coach or moved on from this GM or traded this player, and everything is a reaction to something that has already been done. And instead of just being in the moment, going for it, establishing something, something great. Become the best offense in this league and just be awful defensively. Try to become a great defense. They're just trying to patch all these holes without any without any success at all. Yeah, and what they want to do, it doesn't feel like the personnel is there right. to do it. Right. That's been the big problem. Well, some of that personnel is De'Aaron Fox. He has been as up and down as the team he had a decent night statistically, but he too is frustrated. We'll hear from De'Aaron when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Jason Ross here with you. We go till 6. Remember, UC Davis basketball coming up at 645. Pre-game that time at 645. 7 o'clock tip-off tomorrow on the show. Back with our football guest, Lincoln Kennedy. Raider, a former Raider, Raiders analyst. Lots to discuss on that uh, brutal performance Sunday at Arrowhead. And look forward to Saturday's game against Cleveland. And then Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He will join us. Uh, get the very latest on all things NFL and College football tomorrow is also a signing uh, national early signing day. So we'll see what kind of movement goes on in uh, some of those signings for those new coaches, new programs. We'll go over that uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, but want to get back more on the Kings as uh, we continue to roll along with that. And Sacramento, the frustration, as you heard from Coach Gentry, we played that audio in our last segment after a, a winless road trip. As we said earlier, 15 of the next 18 games, 15 of the next 19, excuse me, will be at home for the Kings. Only road games Golden State, Lakers, Denver, and Phoenix. So they're basically in the West Coast the entire time until January 22nd. So it's an amazing amount of time around home, around the holidays, home cooking. It's just, do you trust it? I don't. 
I don't. And it really, this has been a last several year thing. It's just they haven't dominated Golden One Center. I mean, obviously the Kings have been a bad team. They've been below five hundred for years. But since they've entered this building, there haven't been that many great moments besides the building opening and a you know an isolated moment here here or there. And I still think one of the best moments ever would have been last year the full court pass from De'Aaron Fox to Harrison Barnes back shoulder throw turn fire at the buzzer to beat the Cavs. It's just cutouts were there that was it there were no fans in the building that was really one of the great finishing plays we had seen so with that being said though what will get right at home why should we believe that the kings will put it together and if they do is it for two games and then back to a four-game losing streak is it uh, just a good matchup that goes well for them they're really in a bad way right now and let's hear from De'Aaron Fox talking last night about really how it has to go for them to get a win. I mean, I, I think it definitely, you know, takes a toll on a team, but, you know, one thing you tell yourself is you don't want that to happen again. Um, and, and right now, uh, I, we're, we're just not playing that way. I think you go out there and, and play desperate. Like, you're desperate for a win. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's in stretches that it's, that it's happening. Um, you know, in a game where, where, where we look good um, as a unit being sharp, but it's just not happening for a long, long enough period. And De'Aaron used that word sharp. I think he's going to go into a long um, take here on on that, where I think it was question about their, you know, playing desire. Whether how how hard are they playing? Uh, here's De'Aaron addressing that. I mean, the thing is, it's not it's not about just like playing hard. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not too many people in this world that could be a lazy and make it to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Everybody play it hard to get here. Everybody plays hard when they're here. It's about, you know, just being sharp, everything that you do. Um, obviously, you know, with that second group that they had, um, you know, Toronto, there's no one out there that's just going to go out there and get a bucket. Um, but everything they do is quick, sharp, to the point. They know exactly what they need to do. And and they're running to a, to a T, you know what I'm saying? It's not too many teams in this league that are running complicated stuff. Uh, it's, it's not a thing. Most people have a coach from a similar coaching staff and they copy whatever coach that they were under and everybody's running the same. So when we're out there, it's just about being sharp. Now, you know, if it's a loose ball, 50, 50 balls like that, then, then yeah, you know, it's about playing hard, but when you're out there and you know, coverages, you know, your coverage ain't about playing hard. Your coverage is about being sharp. So um, when we're out there running a play, it's not about just, you know, you obviously want to run the play fast and get into your, but, it's not about doing the play hard. It's about doing it sharp. So, you know, if, if the timing is off, that's not about playing hard. That's about being sharp. If if we f- up a coverage where you're not supposed to switch and you switch or vice versa or whatever it may be, it's not about playing hard. It's about being sharp. You're not giving up 130 because you're not playing hard. A couple things there from De'Aaron's um, analysis, too. Uh, the one thing I, I've always thought, just really in any sport, is play hard and play smart. There's kind of the combo part there. So sharp, whatever, that's part of it. Chris, the, the way I would look at it, and the way, again, now we're trying to read the players, read body language. To me, the Kings look comfortable when that's exactly what they shouldn't be. Everything right now should be uncomfortable for them. They, I, they, they should hate losing. They should hate these bad stretches. But... They just look comfortable. And I know De'Aaron's point. I mean, yes, they're the most gifted people. They're the best of the best to get to where they are. But then there's another level. Like, do you do you want to be great? De'Aaron had a chance to be, I think, an all-star. 
and one of the best players in the league. He's playing okay, but do you want greatness? Do you want to be the guy that carried this team? People might go, man, De'Aaron Fox, honestly, Chris, if he got him to like a four seed or three seed and had an awesome year, he would get MVP consideration. I don't think he'd win, but what's this going to be? Year five where it's not going to be an all-star, maybe not a postseason, and then you're going, you're getting farther in the league. What, what, what are you? You're a good player. You're not great, and you're not making others great around you either. And the bad thing is it feels like the past couple of seasons, it's the Kings have been bad, but Fox has been really good. Yeah, and just wait. Like, wait till he gets to that year four, five, six, and when he's just soaring, well, here we are. And it's and you, his numbers are around the same, Yeah, but there are games where it's just like, what are you doing? Right. And I think you could say that about every player. For, for sure. Tyrese Halliburton last night took two shots. Yeah, he's too good to do that. How is that possible? Right, and 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 that limited assist. Like, he has to impact the game. He doesn't have to take 20, but he has to have a presence in the game. He should have to take five. Damian Jones should be out shooting. Yeah, Alex Len shouldn't be out shooting you. Again, they look comfortable. And, yeah, I, I don't. I did not think that was in his DNA per se. And and this is the the last one was kind of asked to him about, is it bothering him and bothering the team to lose? I mean, I hadn't lost since I, and, and, until I got here. So for 18 years of life, 19 years of life, every step that I played basketball, I was winning something. So... I don't know how you do that, make it to the NBA, and then now you just don't care about winning. Everybody talks about, you know, if you get paid, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Nobody likes to lose, regardless of what level you're on. Um, whether if you're getting paid or if you're playing for free, nobody likes to lose. So, you know, I, I think that's a, I think it's a dumb question. Um, obviously, you know, not to you, um, but obviously everybody, everybody wants to win. Again, we're back into the semantics. I, nobody likes to, but you, I think you, they're quick to accept it. And, oh, that's just the way it is. No, it doesn't have to be. It's been that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. Can you be the difference maker? Can you make the team better? Whether it's you know not a one-person show, but in your role, dominate your role. So then the next guy, if they dominate their role, and maybe the third one doesn't, but because two have, you've – made up for the the wiggle room there. And it just, you know, De'Aaron, since he's been here, has lost. And I know that answer is is right probably for every NBA player. Well, everywhere I've ever been, I've won. I won high school championships. I won in college. I'm sure you did. But not everybody wins in the NBA. And why can't the Kings crack that code? And this is a long, long drought with different coaches, different players, different owners, different GMs. And it's been the same repetitive cycle, which is so frustrating for the fans. I was saying that all the players were like Fox, where it just seems like their games are just like, uh, yeah. what are you doing type of thing. The one player I can't say that about is Rashawn Holmes, mm-hmm. who Kings fans love, and it's because we see him out there every single game doing what he does best and trying and appearing to look to be working as hard as yes. anybody on the court. And I think that's what we just want to see from every player. Yeah, and you know, some players just look that way, look like they're playing harder. But if you don't look that way, um, I'm not saying fake it or act like it, but it also doesn't look like the losses 
are uh, on the outward side, at least on the appearances that it's bothering the players as much as it maybe it does us and fans watching and listening and going to the games or not going to the games or venting on social media. It sure doesn't look like it's bothering by appearance, bothering the players as much. And that's frustrating. And I know we've talked about it before. What was the story you said? Like, uh, or no, maybe that was in a movie. Wasn't it something like where uh, the Boston Red Sox like had lost something? And That's in uh, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch. But the point is a good one, though. Like, oh, the players then show up at a bar, and they're laughing and smiling, and it's like where people are, like, depressed for weeks, months. We'll never we'll remember games for decades. And players, yes, there's some point they have to go on to the next one, but it sure looks like this team right now can't figure out how to get out of this rut. And until the next one, we'll see. And that next one will be tomorrow against Washington. All right, first hour complete. When we come back, we got to get into the NFL weekend. My goodness, what's uh, some huge games, including that critical win by the 49ers in OT over Cincinnati, and what's ahead for the 49ers. We'll do that to start the next hour right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.